another episode of International Immersion, a podcast where we seek to connect people, places, events, cultures, and ideas, and bring them together in a platform where people can learn about the world, each other, and all the aspects that make this world such an amazing place. For today's episode, we have a special guest who's had an interesting experience in working in a number of countries, but primarily Japan. So we're going to be discussing the work-related aspects of work culture and what it's like to work in Japan versus the U.S. today. So I would just like to welcome our guest today. It's great to have you on today, and I hope you've been doing well. Thank you, Sean, for having me today. So if you to begin with, uh, it'd be great to hear a little bit about you, maybe a little bit of your background, and from talking to you, you seem to have a very interesting background with your work experience. So if you could give us a little information about maybe where you're, you know, just whatever you want to say. Okay, my name is Anna Hali. So Hani is Vietnamese, and Anna is someone picked that name for me in here, so it's easier to call. Uh, I was born in Vietnam, but I went to university in Japan in Nagoya University. Then I worked for a Japanese company for several years after I graduate. Um, I also traveled to several countries in Asia, like Singapore, Indonesia like multiple country to experience more culture like China, which is European. Um, and after that I went to America and get my MBA. After I got MBA, I got a job here and that's me now for five years working in the US. And um, during that five year I have one year went back to Japan and worked for my headquarter company named Toyota Bushiko. That's one of the Toyota company making car for everyone. So my experience with several different countries, a little international, and I really expect to have some chance to share uh, what different culture or business life about Japan and US and other countries, how it's different. And I hope that will be helpful for anyone looking for some some international experience like that. No, I'm I'm for certain that I think your experiences will be very useful to a lot of people who are contemplating or thinking about working abroad or um, you know just having a change in their their work 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 life or experience. But I, that's pretty neat. So to get this straight, so you've you're from Vietnam, but you've worked in Vietnam, Japan, and the U.S. now, and you're currently here in the U.S. and that's great. And, Congrats on getting yeah. your MBA here as well, but that has to be very interesting. Having you know, you know, being from one country and then going to another for education, then working, and then going to another for education, and then working again. That has to be a very unique experience, or has, or I would say, a unique set of experiences for you. Right. So I studied Japanese when I was in university, and I have so much experience working job with Japanese customer, and I have a good business in Vietnam too. I thought maybe my life just only end up with working with Japan and that's it. But I did not know that after five year graduate, I went to America. It's totally different, so far away, like 12 hour different and so many culture different uh, that I had to learn every day to get used to it or 
And as you mentioned, yeah, as uh, as someone who's lived overseas as well in, in China for four years, I definitely can uh, sympathize with that. Going from what, where you're going from a place where you're used to everything to to a place where everything is different or a large right. number of things are different, it definitely takes some getting used to. And I've found from my experience that some people do better than others in that transition phase or their entire time they're they're in another place. But um, but kind of getting into the background of the episode tonight, we discussed and compiled a list of uh, aspects that are, I think, worthy of discussion and breaking down to kind of specifically kind of see what the differences are between the U.S. and Japan, because you've had your longest periods of business of working experience from what you've been telling me in these two countries here. So mm-hmm. uh, as mentioned, I think they're all interesting elements. And so to begin with, um, kind of a little bit of background. So to... I would just say to start off with, like, a little, can you give us a little background about just like working in the U.S. versus Japan? This um, is going to lead into our, our, our main points, but just maybe a little like could start us off like a general background or something that maybe kind of struck you or gives you kind of more like, a oh, this is this is what I associate with working here. or This is what I generally associate working there. So in general, there's some difference between working in each country. If someone from outside of Japan, if they look in Japan and look at the TV, will see, oh, work life, like, so people, how people dress, how people getting busy every day. If you see their Shibuya, uh, their crossing, they're the one that the most crowded, uh, the crowded in the world. You see people, how busy they are. They cross the road and they wear uh, suits, very formal, different dress. Why in America, I don't see that's much popular. So you could say uh, it's more casual here. More casual, yes. No, I definitely like, agree. Just from looking at general kind of like paradigms of looking at people working in Japan, going to work versus here, there definitely are some differences. You, you know, I definitely agree with you there. So there's so many things to describe a business culture of each country. But from the thing that you can see first, Oh, when you observe, or you don't have to work there, but you can notice is if you go to the train station every day in Japan, you will see, oh, so many people wearing suits, like even men and women. And even in summertime, it's very hot. Like, man, this people not getting hot. Like, I'm still, <laughs> like, why do they have to dress nice like that? Everyone. So yeah, thinking to yourself, my God, station, they look nice, but they must be suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like they look even nicer than TV. So it just amazed me about how they really care about appearance. Why in America here, when I go to work every day, especially if I don't have a important event or like seeing customer or going to scenery or something, I don't really have to worry about what I wear. It's more important about like how you really funny you are, how easy to approach you are. Or how confident you have at work instead of how you wear. I see. Yeah. So these are you could say you know, these are some of the kind of the business cult the, for the business culture some differences. Where Japan it seems to be much more formal and more appearance driven, whereas here it's more about maybe more relatability, being down to earth. Uh, how how can you associate with people? Your confidence, your abilities, and what you know. You could say. Right. But that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. Like from my experience in China, it definitely the appearance fact element is also a similarity with you know people dress for, formally for business, but 
I can definitely relate on that. But yeah, from working here in the U.S. and being in the U.S. and from the, and being from the U.S., I definitely agree with you that like working from home now during the time of COVID, some days I never I never get out of my pajamas, for example, because I don't have any meetings or anything. Still get my work done, but it's definitely not uh, not ideal. But it's not hurting anyone or anything because I'm I'm, I'm home and I'm not dealing with anything. Now, if I have a meeting or something on Zoom, of course I'll sp I'll spruce up, but I'm not going to dress in a suit and sit in my computer in my office all day. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of leads into the dress code, you could say. So you kind of you kind of I think we've already answered this question, but you could say the dress code definitely can vary between both here and Japan. Yeah, it's just a very like simple look from outside, but deep inside, if you really work in a Japanese company, how how much thing that you like I really need to care about it's more than just a dress code how you communicate with people what kind of manners that you should have I worked in my company in Japan before that's a big large company it's like international company but also it's very traditional company long times more than 100 years I work in a corporate strategy department where I work with uh, top people like board member I'm not really working talking with them much, but actually I'm in the back office. But I can see like people working around, they do have to be very careful manner. Like for example, you see someone in Japan, people will nod and bow. And depending on your title, like if you are a big title, they will bow more. Or if you are a customer, they bow more and more deep down. I see. So you're saying there's much more of a sense of like ceremony and like proper ways of like presenting yourself and and holding yourself depending on the seniority of the person. So the way they show is uh, I'm modest and I show respect to you and I bow deep. That means you are much, uh, I I make you higher. <laughs> yeah, like the hierarchy yeah. in, the, in the company that. Right. I see. Yes. So that kind of, and that, like you said, that also can affect, you know, the communication manner. So like, you know, how you both body language and also how you communicate, I'm sure. So like kind of going off that, are there certain ways you had to communicate with higher level people versus maybe mid-level and lower people, lower level people? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, communication is communication, but from what you're saying, I'm sure there are maybe different ways you should go about communicating. People really care about it in the way, like I have one example that's pretty funny, like especially for girl. Girl has to to be careful more about all the excellent nano that we actually have. So my company actually hired one famous person on TV. Uh, she worked for NHK TV, news TV. So she came to my company and she actually teach us how to smile, how many teeth you need to show when you smile and what kind of impression, what kind of image that you will, like other people will see and how much people will remember you based on how you smile. So they really detail like that. Wow. I mean, I can see, I can see them maybe coming to kind of give you hints about how to be more recognizable and maybe memorable, but how many teeth to show that seems a bit extreme in my opinion, my goodness. So like, for example, the best smile, like you want to show one, two, three, four on the right, one, two, three, four on the left, something like that. It's just, it's just the funniest um, example showing that they really care about every single thing. Like when I'm in the meeting, I can't really put my one leg on each other or my elbow on the table and my hand on his cheek like this. It just has to be look nice and no, can't, can't do like that. So you can say posture is very important. The, the, the posture, right posture yes. is very important. None of the, yes. you know, elbow on the table mm -hmm. or both elbows on the table or leaning back in your chair. Like, gotcha. Right. Yes. Yeah. 
people are very polite. Like even at work, people say yes more than say no. That is one thing I've noticed in both China and Taiwan, and if you in many places, the politeness is a huge factor. It's like there's a big hesitance never saying I can't do something or no. It's more maybe they can't really do it, but they'll try to find a way around mm -hmm. saying no directly. Yeah. yeah, maybe they just um, don't want to hurt other feeling. Or maybe they're just trying to be more subtle when they express opinions. Like in America, for me, somehow it's help when you say yes or no, then I don't know exactly what you want. But over there, they will say yes all the time, but like pay attention to the next sentence that they will say. Yeah, you know, yeah, as you say, the details. Somehow, that means no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, that's a good point. It's like they may never say no, but like you said, listen to what they say after they say yes and by the tone mm -hmm. or the intonation or their body language you can say oh yeah they can't really do this or oh no no they can do this <laughs> yeah and so instead of like america is more direct they really trying to say like around a little bit different way and trying to create a harmony you will it's very rare to see someone speak out against general consensus for example when you are in a meeting someone say something but like you have a different ex different opinions on an idea that may be a great idea but they will not talk yeah, yeah i think that's another difference kind of going into like the kind of when you're in a meeting or you're discussing something is i find mm -hmm. that the u.s people are very open and comfortable about sharing their ideas or input and yes. what i noticed in china you know it's not the same but is that people never really do that unless they're like requested to. correct um especially when you have a meeting with multiple people like for example me and my boss and other bigger boss or other department, normally I would just keep silence. Or when my boss asks me a question, I will tell him. But if my boss says something wrong and I even I know it, I will not say anything. I'm not allowed to say something when in front of someone bigger than my boss. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think here it does happen, but I think sometimes people, depending on on the meeting or the situation, they may not directly tell tell their boss you're wrong. They may use some other way to kind of hint that, hey, you're not saying mm -hmm. the right thing. And I definitely agree with you on that. And there has to be, make it has to be a little uncomfortable sometimes. And you're like, oh, he's saying something wrong, but I can't really do anything. But yeah, that's just interesting. All like the nuances and the, the just the rituals, the ceremony, the communication styles. I think that's one thing a lot of people in America and the West, they kind of, when they think of like J Japan, they think of it's just much more formal and like stylized in a way. Right. We're, we're here, it's right. much more casual. And I think a lot of people, they know it, but they don't know all these specific details, like the teeth. That's like, who would have thought, show four teeth on the right, show four teeth on the left? <laughs> I mean, who would think of something like that? But yeah, but that's great. But um, moving on into more of kind of like the tasks at work, we got like everyone writes emails, but I've noticed working uh, with typing it with international people I work with, sometimes email formats and what the, how they structure mm -hmm. their emails are different. So kind of going into email and then like reports and meetings, which we've touched on, like how would you describe the different, are there any big differences there or are they rather similar, would you say? Start with a task or email, maybe two things that I really see the difference. One is privacy. Well, America is more privacy. Why in Japan, like every single email I send it out to people, my boss emails always copying it, even I know it or not. I see. <laughs> that means, which is a good thing that means like I always have someone to check on, check for me work I do. And always I have to report to my uh, manager the work I've, do, uh, I've done. So that's a good thing that maybe I make mistakes somehow, somewhere, meaning that I always have to keep my manager in the loop. When in America, it's not that. It's oh, not for sure. Yes. 
Yes. From, yeah. I would say like they're, they're the, they're the emails. You definitely include your manager, your assistant mm-hmm. manager or whoever else. And then there are a lot of cases where it's just you and someone else. You don't even have to worry about it. And you, you may bring it up in a meeting or on a call with the boss, but it's not, you don't necessarily have to include them unless it's, a, it's usually it's, they're just different types of things, you know, you have to, and then the ones, you know, you don't have to, but in your case, you're saying Japan, it's, doesn't matter what who you're emailing, you're already CCing your boss or someone above you. And another thing, an email in US here, normally people will say very simple thing, like just say focus on exactly the question that other people ask. When in Japan, it's very formal. I I can say it's formal for everything, even in email, like an email, the shortest one is like half of the page, but the information you need maybe is just several words or maybe one sentence. So what do they say in that half of the page? Hello, uh, like uh, dear someone in a company or what position that uh, they work on, especially if they are position like managers that we have to call them like manager in that email all the time. So like, you can say titles are very important in your emails. You can't just right. say, whereas here, a lot of times you can call your boss by the first name if they let you. But, uh, gotcha. Yeah, people only call last name. That's the first thing. Last name and plus something like, uh, like mean Mr. or Mrs. or very high, like make, make them high, higher position more than you. Like like that. That's a, that kind of idea. You say acknowledging their position. You know, is very important in the email. Yeah, and then you introduce yourself and always there's some uh, type of word that the only way included in the email, for example, say in Japanese, like for someone in the same company, you say, that mean, means like, it's good to work with you and you work hard. Uh, you can say like, you have to include a formality. There's a formality yeah, you have, have to, to include. include some of the thing. Or maybe when I email my customers, always have to say like, meaning like, Thank you for your business and your way, your business contribute to my success story. So something like that. It's always show gratitude to people. So you could say and an emphasis on displaying gratitude and appreciation are essential. Yes. yes. Yeah. But that's a very long email and sometimes some word that you don't even need to read, but it's always in there. Yeah. Just opposed to some of the emails that I send people I work with all the time, you know, I don't. I'm just like, thanks a lot. I appreciate it done. You're just because you know the person so well. And they, they, if you did that, they're like, Hey, we work together all the time. You don't need to do all this. I, I know you're a good, you're a good client or a good right. whatever, but yeah, that's definitely a here, difference. Yeah. <laughs> like even here in America, for me, it took me for like maybe two years to get used to it. Oh, I'm sure that, that definitely had to be people. an adjustment. I'm so surprised that I call people here is always just always first name. And even my company president or anyone, or even my manager, like, is that really rude? Or I have to show respect somehow, like Mr. or Mrs. But no, people say, no need, just first name. It's more mm-hmm. casual and I like it now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I find that, you know, it's like, it's nice to have formalities, but sometimes when you can, when you have that more casual attitude, it makes you more relaxed. You're not always afraid you're going to make a mistake. So I, that, I think that is one element I do like. I mean, the formality is important for me, but personally, I, I think, the balance is important. And that kind of leads on to kind of like, so like you said, reports and meetings. So we've kind of touched on meetings with the formalities, but would you say that meetings are held in the same way like they are here in the U.S.? Or would you say they're different? Uh, it's kind of different again. Okay. So meeting, you can see the Japanese people have so many meetings instead of in America. And the way they present information too. So that's kind of leaded to two things. One is they have so much prepared before they come to the meeting with uh, making so many different like material. You know, Elon Musk, our CEO, mm-hmm. Amazon, 
Jeff, they uh, do yeah, not Jeff recommend Bezos, people yes. using PowerPoint presentation, right? Mm -hmm. But in America, that's in, in Japan, it's totally different. Like almost all worker in Japan, I know they are so good at Microsoft Office. They make very nice document. It's just because they have to do it a lot, a lot and have to change and documented thing. So because of that, it take them take more time. And meaning in Japan have special meaning is about nemawashi. So nemawashi meaning like before you decide something, you're actually asking around people like OVU is not perfect. Um, you got to ask other people what other people think and combine all that together. And what's the best, the best decision? I see. So you so, could say like they want a consensus, like a complete, yes. like, you know, consensus amongst the group. So more a comprehensive look at everything. That, that's nice. I like that idea. But that's a good yeah. approach in my opinion. But because of that, it takes so long somehow. <laughs> in America, another thing I like is America makes fast decisions based on information and the fact available at that time. When Japan, they have to do more research and research and is this best solution? Is this best? Is this work somehow, but somehow it's not work. Especially from what I'm doing right now, when I doing um, sale some of the automated component to my customer, whenever my customer asking me for quote, the standard lead time that they want me to answer to them is like at least like one week or maybe two weeks. For me, I always make them happy, so I really want to. I always respond within one day or two day or like when I can get information. But making a quote is not something simple that only me can decide. So I have to ask a lot of my manager and everyone. And somehow this can slow, can be slow. But I understand that like Japanese culture, they really prefer some professionalism or quality, trying to minimize errors or trying to make consistency in their decision. But somehow if it takes so long, we're going to lose like the chance opportunity because if I'm a customer, I'm not going to wait forever for someone to have an answer. I want to see, oh. You are quick, you are fast, and you cheap. Uh, you are have a competitive uh, price, so I'm going to choose you. So you could say they want they they're more. It's more of a perfectionist mentality. They want to make sure everything's perfect. Yes. But because right. of that, it cuts down on efficiency and response time, which can, let's face it, a lot of customers they're impatient sometimes, and yes. sometimes they're just like, okay, I, this is too long. I'm going to go with someone else who's faster, as you right. mentioned. But no, that's mm -hmm. an interesting. But I like yeah, it's a great idea in theory. But in practice, I can see what you say where it can get a little frustrating. And one one more thing actually I like in America also too is people welcome any idea that means create more uh, creativity. Like anyone can generate idea, uh, even they are not boss manager or just a normal person. And I really like that kind of brainstorm thing, especially in this world when things changing so much. Oh, I completely agree. And that's one thing that I mm -hmm. see in my job all the time. And it's very refreshing to get different ideas. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it can be, sometimes they can, you can go around the room a bit, but it's just good to hear everyone's advice or ideas because, you know, a lot of times, let's face it, one mind's not going to think of everything 20 or five minds would think of, depending on how many people you work with. So I work in a Japanese company in US. So somehow I only have to combine both of them. Like, I don't want to waste so long time waiting, waiting. So instead of that, I'm going to go around and ask people, ask different departments and gather all the information and everything, what possibility that may have or what kind of outcome or what's the worst case scenario and be very prepared before I go to the meeting and then done in that meeting. That's how <laughs> combine two different cultures. Well, you know, and that's, and history has shown that sometimes hybridization of different models is what works the best. You take the best of both and you... But at the same time, you can inherit the worst of both. But by combining them, you can compare and contrast and see what works. And that kind of leads, and that leads us into another element would be is like the amount of hours you work 
and then work what work life is like versus your personal life because you mentioned specifically that work and personal life in Japan are very separate whereas in the US it's also separate but I feel sometimes they tend to overlap at times. Okay, so two things in your question here. Work mm-hmm. hour. I think you see so many articles about talking about Japanese people work so long hour, right? Oh, yes, all、and、the、I、time.、Think. I've seen many documentaries and, and news things about people working, literally working themselves into oblivion. Right. So, even if it's something that people work into death, That's very sad thing to hear, but that actually happened. Yes, that's so sad because、um, I saw some news articles about people who committed suicide because they just couldn't take the work hours, and it was, just, it was so sad. But actually, Japan is changing a lot now. It does still have something like that happen, but they're trying to change, and they, like, especially my company in Japan, they have some policy, like, for example, at seven o'clock, company will. Have announced overall, like it's seven o'clock, everyone should go home. Or like at 10 o'clock, we're gonna close everything, turn off the lights, and you have to go home. <laughs> Or they're gonna limit it, the work hour by like giving you maximum this much. But have you ever seen why people in Japan working that long? Well, I think it's a number of reasons. I think it's part of it is work culture. Another thing would be is projects, tasks, when they get things done, pressure. I think it's, I think it can, it can include a wide range of reasons. Those are just a few that I've. That I can think of offhand based on what knowledge I have about it. Right. So, that two things is very much about it,、um, about culture. If their work s still there and if you see someone still working, normally people feel guilty if they go home. So, they normally stay and work.、Um, I see someone say, too, like, get your boss there and you have to stay there. Well, it's maybe true in some situation that my company is not. So, my company, my boss still normally s t a y until other worker going home. So that means you don't have to wait for your boss, but actually, your, bo- wait, your boss will wait for you.、Ah. Right? <laughs> yeah, in my, in my、mm. job, I would say my、uh, director and associate director, they're usually the last two to finish in the day. I mean, we all finish around the same time, but if, they, if there's more work to do, they will continue to do more work. <laughs> right. I don't really think that Japanese people have to work that much, especially it, in America here. I don't see the reason why people have to work that much because they, they still have another life. But unfortunately, in Japan, I can see someone, a lot of people, even in my department before, they have to commute two hours to work and commute back two hours home. Oh, that's, that's terrible.、Uh, yeah. So almost every day that they never really see their children until weekend, like when you left or when you leave the house, the children still sleep. When you go home, they already sleep. So, almost like no time, daddy like never really spend time with kids. And like, that's unfortunate.、Right. Yeah, because let's say you factor in a, a standard work, you know, work day is consistent of you know, eight hours or whatever. And then if you have two hours to get to work and two hours to go home, that's, that's, that's 12 hours right there, just including work and commute time. So, that's, you know. <laughs> right. So, in America here, I also read something, some article about American people also work long hours. Do you think so? Uh, it depends, yes. I think it depends on the job and the, the, the industry and the person. Like some people, like I myself, I'm, I'm very work driven. So if I, if I really want to get something done, I'll put a little extra time to get something done. Other people are not like that, but it also depends on what type of like your salary, hourly, things like that. So if you're salary, there's, you know, you still have to get stuff done, but there's not motivation to work beyond the hours you're. In your contract, because you're not going to be compensated for them. And sometimes some companies won't let you do it because they don't want to pay overtime or whatever. Whereas if you're hourly or perhaps a、um, contract employer, independent contractor, there's more incentive to continue to work more hours because you'll continue to get more payment for it. 
So I think it really just depends. But generally speaking, people don't tend to work more, you know, unless you're unless you're struggling and having one, two, or three jobs, which unfortunately a lot of people do have. Like if you're a college student, you know, I was a college kid. I had three jobs at one point while I was a college student. But I think it really depends. But once you get into like a career, it it can vary. There's no there's no right or wrong answer. It just depends on who you, on who you talk to and what industry they're in and what's going on at any given time with their job. Yeah, I I also see that aspect too. Like I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I see American worker like normally for us, the salary member we normally go home at five o'clock. Why Japanese people still stay there for hourly worker? Yes, they have some incentive, but um, like like you say, maybe it's a little bit different here. When I I think personally, you know, in in America, people really um, in debt so much. Yes. Maybe uh, like after they graduate. Yeah, college. Yeah, college debt is a huge thing. issue. So yeah, college debt is a huge issue overall, and a lot of people are very eager to try to reduce that debt. You know, it's not in college debt, credit card debt. If they have a house, so debt is general is very common across the population here. It, how much each person has that varies, but. Generally, people come out of college generally have at least some debt. I have friends that have anywhere between twenty and hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, which is just you know to me is nuts. And most of my friends from overseas, I tell them that they like pass out in horror. So that's a, that's a one of the reasons that I think people here have to work too much. It's just because they have to pay off the debt, a student loan, or maybe here is like really a market culture, like people buying house, buying car, all that money from the bank. When in Asia, actually, in Vietnam or in Japan, people don't really rely on the bank that much, or maybe just trying to have a saving first, and then they buy it, like even buy a house or car or other things. And especially tuition over there is not that expensive, so it's not really some burden. Exactly, you bring up an excellent point there. Uh, Americans are very much a consumption consumer culture. You know, buy now, you know, mm-hmm. like, enjoy the good life now, everything. Whereas in China or other places I know it's much more save your money you know still live a life but don't go don't go extreme you don't need you don't need a great you don't need this you don't need that I mean granted there are exceptions to the rules everywhere but I'm definitely I would say my mentality is a little more along those lines and not most Americans I would say because I save as much as I can and I to try to live more of a simplistic lifestyle but that is definitely a difference I would say is people here I, I don't I hate to generalize but generally they're more eager to acquire more assets or more things or I'd say liabilities because then you know they're just accumulating and they'll they'll use credit. Credit is very popular here whereas credit is not nearly as popular in Asia from my experience. Yeah so back to the point uh, about work hour for Japan. One thing I can see is in Japan like during daytime whenever I reach out to them and ask them something they always make themselves available for us for me. That they're trying to solve all the problem and helping others, and then after the daytime they stay home. They stay longer hours in there to trying to do another work. They finish their work. Mm-hmm. So that means whenever I ask them doing something, they're gonna do it until the end. That I don't really have to follow up with them a lot of time. And because of that, they're willing to do more for people, and they have to work more to make sure that they finish all their work. So that's the good things about it. But another thing is, I can see that. A lot of people stay there and work there during the day and they at night they try to spend more time like from five after hour to nine o'clock just stay in the company and study more some more thing so to show that i'm working hard i have a good attitude so my boss will like it and there's a funny story about in japan people really make the rule so much rule 
that you have to work, uh, go home early. They make it a premium Friday. That means premium Friday, the first day that everyone has to go home at five o'clock. But you know, there's a statistic that that first premium Friday, only 4% of Japanese workers go home early. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's certainly not abided by much, but there, that, the statistics there just show that. Yes. So that means people really say that I don't want to be the first person to go home early when other people are still there. So really, that's a part of culture. That's the main point. Gotcha. No, all very, very interesting thing. And that also kind of brings us into the next element would be kind of like the uh, corporate business culture and like the human development companies. Like, you know, companies, you know, they say, you know, their employees are a company's strongest asset is what we would say here. And right. you can, it can be clearly seen some companies invest in their employees where others don't. And there are many mm -hmm. things that can contribute to that. So to kind of to break it down, so... Corporate business culture, you would say, is what, and then investment in employees is what. Yeah, so majority of com of Japanese company, if you see the slogan, they will say that our employee is the most important asset. That means they invest in people, in human skill. So there is one story here. After I graduated MBA mm -hmm. here, before that actually, before that I tried to look look for a job. And I went to one of their career fair, a job fair mm -hmm. in San Francisco with all the Japanese company there. And they interviewed me and they talked with me. It's just a random thing. And they given me an offer doing IT job, like computer job. While my background and everything, I've learned economics. I don't not know much about IT. But that so I'm means, sure you were like scratching your head right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you see the bright side in you, or maybe they see the good attitude, or maybe you work hard, you have potential. They hire you and they're willing to invest in you for one and two years to teach you all the skills they need. And then you work for them forever. So Japan, the like Japanese company, they really look for long-term relationship, long-term commitment, work for them long time and not really like jumping to other. Like, so you could say their mindset in, in acquiring new employees is long-term. It's like, you know, maybe they don't right. care as much about how much you know now as much as, oh, you seem to have a good personality. You seem to have a good attitude. You want to learn. That's all we need. We can right. give you what we need what you need to make you successful to make us successful yes That's it's not it's not 100 like that of course especially yeah. for new hire like for young employee they're willing to invest in you and teach you unlimited knowledge why in america here when i see like when we hire people you're supposed to have some skill or experience needed to do the job yeah i <laughs> and i will say coming out of grad school and looking for jobs it's like how, I was just telling myself, how do you expect people to have a years of experience when you're coming out of coming out of an undergrad or a graduate degree and you, mm -hmm. you've only worked either maybe you maybe you've had an assistantship or you've had an internship, but it's like I find a lot of right. a lot of it is very unrealistic. And sometimes mm -hmm. I've heard of people getting hired and they got hired and didn't have that. I'm like, what? So there I honestly I do think that that's a little overkill in my opinion, because it really cuts off a lot of people who are very qualified candidates, but they just don't have the experience. So I do think there's a bit of a discrepancy and a bit of a problem there that I think should be addressed. I think, you know, yeah, experience is important, but you have to have an opportunity to gain experience before you can show you have it. So it's just like, you know, cause and effect. Yeah. And I actually, somehow I also like the way that American really like do it yourself, learn yourself and try to learn fast and uh, excel a skill very fast. So that's a good thing too. Like if you qualify for the job, that will be easier and much saving time instead of like spending a lot of time to change you 
will do like to give you training. So that's a good thing too. But Japan, uh, because they invest in you so much, that means you owe them something. That you mean when you, whenever you do work every day, you really think about group first instead of individual first. Every single decision, like for me, for example, even me, I'm here when I work in America here, but I'm still I'm gonna do this job because this is a good for company, not just for me. Why maybe in America people will. Really think more about. I do this because it's good for my career, my own career, my own future for development, personal development, something like that. No, I definitely so, agree. I think there's much more of a you know, it's collective versus individualism, where the U.S. really mm-hmm. promotes individualism. I mean, collectivism is important, but we're definitely very big proponents of individualism. And you know, maybe you you're the one that can can bring change, not necessarily the group or however you want to call it. Where in Asia, I find it's more group consensus versus just the individual. But yeah, that's, and that also brings into another interesting point would be is one thing that is kind of, I think, become more widespread about or widely known as like the criticism culture. This is really interesting oh, to see that how different it is. Like in America, I can see you were born and raised in the way that people give you so much compliments, like, oh, you're doing great. So that means the kids have more confidence to do something and have more motivation to do something, right? Yes, I, you know, I definitely, yeah, like I would yeah. say is that, yeah, I mean, depending on your parenting and depending on the ba- on the background of your family, you know, a number of factors beyond that, you're definitely praised a lot. But at least, I know, at least in my case growing up, I definitely, if I did something wrong, I, I, I was told. I mean, they weren't shy in telling me, but I definitely gained a lot of confidence because when I did things right, I definitely was told, I was told and I was, that was expressed to me. But at the same time, if I did something wrong, it was also clearly addressed to me. But that's not everybody. It just depends. But yes, I have noticed that Americans have a much higher level of confidence than many people I've met in China, for example, or other places. Yeah, and that's actually a very good thing to bring confidence to to a person. However, it's just different culture between America here and Japan in the way that in Japan, people will focus more on something that you have not done well and how to improve that. So at work, we have... A, the term hansei mean uh, reflection. Our reflection. After okay. you've done anything, you always review it, what you've done right, what you've done wrong. And somehow, if it's too negative, like if you just only focus on something you do wrong, that means people will lose confidence or motivation for next step, right? Oh, so, for sure. It, it, I find that, I think that's very draining for individuals. No matter how strong they are, it's draining over time, mentally. Yeah. So for me, I see in both viewpoint, like I just wish there's a combination somewhere between the both culture like you really recognize someone doing good job but at the same time give people really constructive criticism like this is something how you do it one thing is not we will not really focus on personal thing this is uh, about work and this this aspect of work if we can do this better that will be perfect or something like that i think that goes to the bigger point is that you know it's finding a balance is important you need to know what you need to improve but at the same time, you need to be given confirmation and assurance, you know, and I'd say praise for what you do do well for a help for a healthy balance. You know, you know, it should neither should be you, should, you can't have either two. You can't have either extreme. You need to have more of a balance. And I think that's right. that promote that produces a much more balanced individual who can deal with, you know, criticism. But at the same time, they also don't overly are not overly confident in, you know, Think, oh, I could do anything. No one could tell me anything. It's that fine, finite balance, I think, is important. Right. So, good thing is in Japan, they already know that culture. 
So they're always showing positive feeling at work instead of showing negative, like I'm mad and I'm not like that. No, they were never showing in front of you. They hiding feeling very well. <laughs> yeah, that's something but, I've noticed as well. It's like whenever I've done business, they're always going, everything is always positive. Even if it's not, when you're talking, yes. it's always positive. Right. But if Japanese company apply that rule to in America that way, when people not get used to it, they will get shocked. Like, really? You, 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 you question my skill and qualification or something like that. So yeah, if you did that really... to, a, to a large number of Americans, they would, they would not be, a lot of them would not be shy in saying, excuse me, <laughs> you know, need more yeah. like, okay, I know I need to prove, mm -hmm. but you don't need to re throw this in my face or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, but that is very interesting, interesting and kind of like how people deal with criticism and, you know, how, how should criticism be dealt out? You know, I'm a firm believer that objective criticism is important. You know, it's like you're criticized, but not negatively. You're criticized because I want you to improve. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Yeah. And that also brings into another really key point is company benefit. It, so like in the U.S., you know, as you know, since you work here, you get a job and you get a salary. You can maybe get a retirement plan, like a 401k, uh, maybe a pension if you're very lucky or something along those lines. Is it similar? I, I imagine it's similar in Japan or maybe almost identical. Japan and U.S. is the same for, for that pension. Like in America here, we have a one guy over there. They also have like they call ninking, okay. like the money that you receive after you retire. Oh, yeah. Um, like basically like in a way like Social right. Security here yeah. for the government. But or if you work for a company like the military or a government, you can get a pension. So you can say a pension. The only thing is I like insurance plan over there better. For somehow America insurance and medical insurance is so expensive. Oh, oh! Don't get me started on that. I mean, <laughs> I, I've talked to I'm my like foreign friends about. Like Fifteen more minutes about. Oh, it, I know. Like, oh, I know. I, and I've talked yeah. about to my. I've talked to my foreign friends sometimes about like how much I pay for, uh, for healthcare and stuff, and they, and it's not bad by U.S. standards, but they're like, that's expensive. And I tell them about some of my other friends, and they literally like have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like over there, literally when you go to the doctor, you just pay only uh, $20 and you can get an, any kind of treatment. Children free for when, when they go to see the doctor. That's awesome. And That's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes the lifestyle over there much better, easier for someone to have kids, for example. My kids go to daycare over there. It's only $400 per month for two kids. When in here, if you have two kids, it'll go... That's nothing. It's going to be maybe 1300 or something more than that. I have a friend who so, owns a daycare, and I, and she told me what their rates are. And I thought they were expensive. And she said, oh, no, we're cheap. We're, we, get a lot of, we get a lot of people because we're cheaper. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But as far about company benefit, over there they give to you a lot of kind of allowance. Like, if, uh, you know, people go – by train and go go to work a lot in Japan, right? Because public mm -hmm. transportation is very mass transit. Yeah, mass transit. Yes. So they give you allowance. They 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 pay for their train ticket every day, almost. Oh, that's awesome! Um, so literally, like yes. they basically pay. They give their workers like a an allow like you said an allowance just for commuting to work. Oh, right. <laughs> that's yeah. nice. And uh, something nice thing that I like, really like is uh, the company have. Uh, two three location like hotel for employee only so you can go there and stay in like three four star hotel which is ten dollar for whole family whole day or 
they have a good connection with some kind of like chain hotel, good hotel, then you can have a good vacation with your family there. So that's something. Yeah, um, I think there are some similarities here in the U.S. Like I know if you work for some of the hotel chains here in the U.S., you can then mm -hmm. you get major discounts. But that's pretty nice because most companies don't really have. I can't think of a direct equal comparison there you'd have to be if you're more in a specific niche yeah. work sector or if you work for a certain hotel chain or certain transport or travel companies then you get something but that's nice i mean literally it's like that'd be awesome if we got like every month we got x amount of money just to, to drive to and from work i love that i mean that's mm -hmm. awesome <laughs> i'm definitely i'm jealous <laughs> yeah. some other activity that i really like too it's not company benefit but you have an unlimited chance to uh, connect with other people especially my company is Toyota Worship Group, so that's a part of uh, Toyota. Mm -hmm. Like other Toyota company, after other Toyota group company, we also have the same department, like corporate strategy department. So corporate strategy department in my company and other Toyota company also hang out together. Like, so you can see there's a large, together. large number yeah. of opportunities for networking and building right. relationships. Networking is very good. Uh, we even have some club, like someone walking club, maybe mountain climbing club. <laughs> I, th club I think and... I think that is translatable here in the U.S. for certain for certain jobs and industries. But yeah, but but that is still really nice to have all these additional mm -hmm. opportunities, activities, or just things you can do with your coworkers in more of a relaxed environment where you can talk, social, you know, social, you know, network, you know, and just that's really nice because, as they say, you know, it's who you know. They can get you a yeah. lot of places these days. I think that's a very important activity for the majority of the time during work hour. I don't see people talk about personal stuff at all. They just talk about work. That's it. So that's why they have to hang out after work hour to know more about other people, like know more about personal life to make it easy or maybe better relationship. Why in America here? Like, I don't know, but people here, we have a really fun time together and even people laughing a lot like talking about the like personal thing I'll maybe talk about sports uh, TV and news event and people laugh together laugh like very different so yeah I mean you know work parties sometimes like Christmas parties there's all there's all kinds of things you can do like our work yeah I mean sometimes we just have we have meetings and then we'll say and just chat for a few minutes about how's life and everything not always but it's definitely more laid back and that is nice and that kind of leads us into our last couple set of questions for the, for the episode today and that would be the first one would be is if for some reason, let's say an American wants to go over to Japan or any or non-Japanese, for example, what do Japanese company expect from a foreign candidate, or in this case, an American candidate, if they wanted to join the company in Japan, for example? Big question. So Japanese people, when they hire employees, they look for what your background is, like where you graduate, how qualified you are, like what kind of skill and experience you have. But another very important thing is they will see how you're going to fit with the corporate culture they have, like what kind of personality you are, how you're willing to devote yourself to grow, how you're trying to get into the group or more like think, think about group more than individual. So that's what are they looking for too. I see. So, so if, they want to yeah. see how adaptable you are. Maybe they, they may hire you maybe for a different, you know, because, because you, you're bringing something foreign into the company that they maybe can use. But at the same time, they want to make sure that they know you're not going to be like, you're not going to completely go, you know, let's say be buy into that completely or be that way, but enough where things can function smoothly and that you can right. 
And that makes sense. That makes total sense. Well, just like American companies hire hire foreign candidates for a whole host of reasons. You know, whether it's the, their experience, their education, what they can bring, different points of view. Those are all things that can be considered. And I'm sure the Japanese companies also look at, you know, they hired you, for example, you're from Vietnam and they hired you. You know, that's all I think it's and that also can very much vary on what type of company it is, big or smaller. It's the, you know, it's local you know, regional or international. It's very interesting from my own experience. My company hired me when my boss interviewed me. So after two years later, he told me that I hire you because the story that you told us, whenever you, even when I go to have a late, I go to hospital to have a baby, I'm still listening to the phone and I'm still make sure that things go right. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a joke, but... So you could say that like, sold him on your on your dedication. He was like, wow, she's dedicated. Yes, like I'm trying to make sure that if someone really gives me a task, something it has to be the right goal. And trying to make sure that follow up from beginning to the end and everything done good. Like they don't have to question me and follow up with me. If you give it to me, that means it's going to be good. That's quite a story. And that's certainly something that I think that would stick in any, any uh, supervisor or boss's mind if you said that. <laughs> no, that's really neat. And then uh, getting a little on time for the night, but our last question would be is, you know, kind of, you could say simply is like, from what your experience, what, how did Japanese companies change when they move or go internationally? Like, you know, maybe they're still based in Japan, but they have like satellite offices, like the one you, like the one you work in. Yeah. So Japanese company depend on company, but like company like mine, they have changed a lot and a lot of things successful. Some still need work, but majority is they more open to idea and communication. Like, you know, Japanese people, it's very conservative at some point. They make decisions by their own. They still have their own group to make decisions. But now they listen more to foreign uh, people, especially from America, because we know that Japanese people cannot successful without local people's support. Like, whatever you knowledgeable you are, that local people will understand more about local market than you. So combine together with that, understand the culture and listen to local voice will make them more successful. And I think that's very much and, common sense because anytime you move into a new market and new, new clients, new customers, new, you know, a new area, you have to adapt. And I think that's right. what you're getting at, that they are very, they are understanding that they have to adapt and that they can't use the same model they use in Japan, in the U.S., just because of all the factors we've discussed this evening. And, but I think right. that's important. But I've noticed that sometimes companies don't do that. And then that really mm. can either, either they'll fail completely in that market or it'll cause a huge problem until they actually do do something to try to take those factors into consideration there's something that they really still want to keep for example toyota like my company we're trying to uh make sure things under control like really design work it's going to be in japan like they want to make sure everything so is there's completely the way i see so they want to retain like the design or they want to retain certain parts of the company or certain certain tasks and things right. like that they want to keep that in japan that makes sense. I mean, yes. I can understand that in one, in one the sense. The operation standpoint is they they will more like hand over to local manager like that. And so that's how open they need to be to change, to adapt a new, uh, new environment. Another way is the culture. Like 
in Japanese culture, like I just said about Hansei culture, the reflection, how how do people approach how to give a construction, like constructive criticism to make people really change and improve and how do they uh, apply some of the rule? Like for example, Toyota, we have a TPS, the Toyota production system. Mm-hmm. How do they apply the thinking, like approve, like continuously kaizen continuously improve that way to to make things better every day that's how they apply those rules to american production or manufacturing system they've done very successful but that's something that really real we see things going we adapt we change we change ourselves change like japanese people they change themselves no and, that, and that's better. great yeah i yeah. think you know adaptability <clears throat> i think is one of the most important skills people have and especially you know me and you, you know, having lived in, in outside of our home countries, I think we both will agree that is very important, both in work and life adaptability and being able to take on new things, new ideas, but maintaining your sense of yourself and your own, your skills and abilities. That's, that's a very important, important balance you have to maintain. Right. One thing is about decision making, like we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. they got to be quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very true. Very true. Very true. Well, it's been a great uh, discussion this evening. I've learned quite a bit, and I think it's really interesting, kind of going through these these top these individual, t- you know, areas of of comparison one by one and breaking them down. And you know, at the end of the day, there's still a lot of similarities because we're all humans. We all have the same you know functions, capacities, and business is business. You know, companies are companies, but a lot of the nuances and the specific things, like your wonderful example of how many teeth to show, that just shows like how many unique situations or like you know just (laughs) how do i say it you know aspects that can define one culture's business you know business culture uh, compared to another so it's been great talking to you this evening and you know i've really been very insightful and i really appreciate the time you've taken to uh to join the episode this evening and you know share your experiences with us thank you for giving me this uh, opportunity to share my experience and i hope this podcast what I, I shared today will be helpful. Anyone who's looking for working with Japanese company. Well, I'm, I'm quite sure it is because you've provided a lot of good information and tips, advice. And, you know, if anyone's interested in working in Japan, just listen to this episode and you might, that might be your first step in doing some research on the potential opportunity and in, in, in pursuing that. But um, we just want to thank everyone for attending tonight. This has been another episode of International Immersion. And we've got, we will see you on the next episode and let's hope COVID ends soon so we can get back out there and keep on traveling and exploring the world and continue to learn. Thank you and take care. Thank you.